and I'm Gail. And today's topic centers on caregiving and caregivers. And here to discuss this important topic with us is Julie Cook Downing. Julie lives in Sarasota, Florida, and she's 72 years old. She has experienced personally the challenges of being a caregiver. As the president and founder of Caregivers Comfort Creations, LLC, Julie's mission is to empower and support millions of family caregivers and veterans caregivers through her experience in highly rated caregiver support groups. Julie consults with numerous organizations, trains caregivers, produces workshops, and provides inspirational planning support. She's also the creator and publisher of Caregivers and Caregiver and Veterans Caregivers calendars. So Julie, welcome to Advocates for Women Aging. We're so happy to have you. And would you start by telling us um, what happened to you in 1996 that dramatically changed your life? I will go there, but first I will say how honored I am to have been selected by Miss Catherine and Miss Gail. Thank you. <laughs> You're and very welcome. <laughs> when I go back to 1996, it's because of my mother's diagnosis with Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. And I became a long distance caregiver as one of my first circumstances. My husband and I lived in Evanston, Illinois, and my parents lived in Cleveland, Ohio, where I grew up. And long distance is just one of the types of being a caregiver, but it is a heavy, heavy load because you are not right with the loved ones that you would like to be with. Mm -hmm. Yes, that makes so much sense. And so then, you know, you've had so many roles. It, it launched you into a caregiver career. Is that what happened? What happened is exactly what you said, Gail. However, it's a legacy to my parents because my family caregiving started off with my mother and then promoted on to many more family caregivers or situations, even though I have a very limited family number. But I've had so many circumstances that I know how I behaved and how I felt about myself as I was a caregiver. And I know that that helps to instill in other caregivers how they can keep on keeping on. So Julie, I'm, I'm curious about, you had a, your, you gained experience in caregiving. Did you get, take any special training or are you, uh, did you really work from your own experience? I worked from my own experience, Catherine. However, I had a background or have a background in human resources and training. And that was for the corporate world. Because of that expertise, I combined the corporate world with the caregiving world and came up with how to motivate and inspire family caregivers. So, so what can you tell our listeners about best practices for caregivers? We know that they are primarily women, correct? You're correct. Absolutely correct. Out of the 65 million or more family caregivers in the United States, almost a little more than 60% are women. Wow. 
so so what can you tell us about best practices and and especially self-care while they care for others one of the things is that in life you need to be able to make yourself happy as opposed to depending on anyone else and so the caregiver who is a woman who really steps up to be the caregiver as opposed to the other gender makes themselves and needs to make themselves the priority. The reason is that one in three caregivers, as per statistics, are considered depressed. I let my caregiver support groups know, I don't believe that. It's three of three <laughs> caregivers who are depressed. Mm -hmm. There is also an issue, an issue with mortality. Caregivers, and again, it's more women than men, have a higher mortality rate, 60 mm -hmm. to 63 to 70% higher than the regular mortality rate. The women caregivers have a higher mortality rate? Caregivers, period, yeah, have yeah, a the higher, but because they're more in numbers, their rate is higher. Yes. And then thirdly, I learned that because of social isolation, caregivers have the same medical risk as smokers. So in my groups, I will let them know that and they say, and then say, if you're smoking, keep on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So, oh, sorry, Gail, go ahead. So, so you've turned this into a business, Julie, right? That's correct. Tell, tell us a little bit about that part of it. Sure. The business, business part is also volunteerism. I am the caregiver support group facilitator for all caregivers for Doctors Hospital of Sarasota. And for all caregivers mean, means that I'm not concentrating on the patient's illness. I am making the family caregiver the priority. I also have here in Sarasota, the only veterans caregiver support group. That's for a veteran caring for a loved one or a loved one caring for a veteran. Mm -hmm. And in my support groups, I have wonderful ground rules. The first one is you never have to come. And the reason for that is I know, having been a family caregiver for three decades, that you can't come all the time. But I want them to consider coming and to have shown up and then maybe not be able to come another time. <laughs> I also let them know that this is sacred and confidential space that is handled. I don't want what we discuss to walk out of the room and be discussed only if they thought the group was great. But we cannot say for another person what they have said. And I am confidential because I socialize with some family caregivers and they, there are some that come to my groups. And I'm not going to be discussing what we have discussed. It must be confidential. Sure, sure. Catherine, you had a question? Well, I'm, I'm just, I want, I'd like to go back to the women as caregivers. And you said that, you know, three, three out of three are, are depressed and deal with isolation. 
So what is it about, about um, women that makes, I think it makes it difficult for women to put themselves first. Is that your, have you seen that? And then how do you help them realize that their own care has to be paramount? Oh, what a great, what great questions. I do see that it's difficult for women to put themselves first because they are such the stepper-uppers when it comes to handling a loved one that is not well. In my groups, I let people know right off the bat that their priority is what we're going to honor. And I have highly interactive topics every month that help the women attending to understand how they can make themselves a priority and be able to keep on keeping on. For example, this month is the longest day and I take a holiday or a special implement of the month to share with a highly interactive topic. So if we were to talk about the longest day, I would let caregivers know, and women caregivers particularly, know that they have the longest day every day. It's 36 hours. And even if they're with their loved one, it makes it even more difficult. So I then ask them, because I'm not a presenter that stands up and says this, 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 and this. I want it to be highly interactive so that they leave feeling filled up. So I ask, what will make the longest day a positive for you? What are the things that you're missing doing? Who are the friends that could help you? What must you do so that you make yourself the priority? And I let them discuss it, and they learn from others. Mm, that's really wonderful. Now, I can even go to the next month of July, okay. that being Independence Day. And we need to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I want the caregivers to share with me what they are doing to have that happen. Yes, that's great. You, you know, um, women tend to... Uh, outlive their spouses or their partners very often, or a lot of women are aging solo. And, and so how do we think about who will take care of us? We should first of all think about no guilt for what we have done in caring for others. And the reason for that is there are four different types of caregiver needs. The fact that you're a caregiver, the fact that you were a caregiver, the fact that you will be a caregiver, and the fact that you will need a caregiver. So for those women that will need a caregiver, they need to rely on who they are, that they are sturdy, that they have strong relationships, that they are here for the right reasons, and that they are going to be willing to reach out for help with those with the expertise and experience to guide and direct them. Mm -hmm. And how, how do we find caregivers to take care of us? If we don't have family, what do we do? In every community, there are people that are represented 
that help with aging well and in the right place. Or as a result of the company that I'm a consultant for, in addition to aging in the right place, we also do universal design where you can stay in your own home and have it redesigned so that you can be the occupant. Mm -hmm. Is that a movement? Do you see that as a movement? It really is. Um, I have a partner in business who is a certified senior living specialist realtor. Mm -hmm. And one of the workshops we did was, seniors, what's your next move? It had to do with, if you think you need to sell your home, I'm here, not me, but the partner. Mm -hmm. And if you think you need to be moved, Julie is here for you. Mm. Yeah. You know, of course, we're, we're all living through the pandemic, right? Corona, coronavirus and uh, COVID-19. We're all living through <laughs> that now, right? So right. That, must, that must cause additional stress for caregivers. What? You are so right, Gail. I am living through the pandemic issues without caregiving for my husband, which I have done before. But these times for me resonate so strongly that my outreach to caregivers, even though we can't be in my support groups, I do send out at least monthly information to help them remain sturdy. These are hunkering down times. And as a caregiver, you are truly more on overload when you think about all that caregivers must do. And if you are a caregiver with someone in a senior living residence, you are not even able to visit. Or if they're in the hospital, unable to visit. So how can that be handled? It can be handled by recognizing that you are giving the greatest gift of all with your love and with your guidance and direction even from a distance for your loved one. And no guilt whatsoever, but realizing that during these times, you have more time to think about what you have done. Again, the greatest gift of all, and not looking back on what you should have done. There is no caregiver who has stepped up to be a caregiver that needs to have guilt because there are other family members that I get to learn about in my support groups who want nothing to do with the caregiving. Mm -hmm. right. So I'm, I'm, may I ask, I'm curious about the, it seems I, I tend to think of caregiving that uh, we're giving care to uh, a spouse who's, who's has an illness or a, a parent who's in a, an assisted living facility. But do you have experience caregiving with children, younger, like children, younger adults who might have some uh, chronic illness or some something? I wouldn't be caregiving happens. for those younger people, but I would have people that come to my group that have the children and younger people yeah. with those issues. Caregiving for me, it is not a matter of who the loved one is. It's really about you, the family caregiver. So I can have, just like 
for my doctor's hospital group. It's for all caregivers, regardless of who you're caring for. Because I want them, the caregiver, to be the priority and to be able to continue doing what they are doing. So are there particular job responsibilities or descriptions that, that a caregiver should have or that's ascribed to being a caregiver? There sure are. I actually have a list, but I'll try not to read it. <laughs> to start with are the very basics. They would have to do with daily life assistance where you may need to bathe your loved one, you may need to feed your loved one. You may need to even wake them up so that they can start their day. So daily life assistance. There are also some very more, I'd say, dedicated times that are responsibilities. And that has to do with standing up against other family members, standing up against professionals, who think they need to tell you what needs to happen medically with your loved one. And then there are areas that are responsibilities that have to do with your own mind. You as a caregiver are ready and needing to be able to accept the deterioration of your loved one and or their transitioning. And that is most difficult. However, I let my family caregivers know that when you have a path to follow with a loved one who is not well, when they transition, it has not happened unexpectedly. You had the path, you followed the path, and it doesn't make it easy, but it certainly lifts some of the load than if they had passed or transitioned just unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. When you talk about that path, what, what is it that you're saying? They have the path. How they are involved with their loved one as a family caregiver with every step of the way. With handling how they're cared for, if they're not the individual caring for them, with being involved with those who are caring, with being involved with your family members who often are in denial of what you're doing or in denial of what's needed to be done. And so the family caregiver must stand up strong and be as sturdy as possible with taking on the greatest gift of all. Mm. How about... Um how about, uh, what was I going to ask you, um, communication? It, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who feel like they do not know how to communicate with someone who is so critically ill or, it, you know, they don't know what they should be doing. Do caregivers have a role in helping families and friends uh, manage that communication with, with the loved one? They certainly should have a role if allowed by other family members. Mm -hmm. But I get to hear very often how other family members, because they have not stepped up to be the caregiver, have very differing ideas and engagements for 
the loved one. And that is something that I like to handle with the caregiver to give them guidance and give them direction as to how to handle it. And one of the things I do as a consultant for aging well and in the right place is meet with the entire family so that they understand where I'm coming from and where the family caregiver who initiated me meeting with the family should be coming from. And that really helps because of my methodology and my experience with what I have done for three decades. Sometimes it seems to me that there are caregivers uh, required for assistance and there are still family members who are very much involved and uh, care for the welfare of the caregiver as well as their loved one. Have you come across those situations? Now, when you say caregiver, are you still saying a family member, Gail? Good question. (laughs) Good question. Um, I guess I'm saying not a family member, yes. So a family member is involved, but they have hired someone to be a caregiver. Well, that's also part of what I do to help family caregivers. Because of my consulting, I reach out to the top businesses to vent, uh, uh, to to vet and vent the caregiver for that family based on what I know. So that's one of the reasons people will reach out to me because they aren't comfortable with what to do or how to do it, and they know that I am comfortable. I have had a caregiver for multiple family members, and I was behind what happened. You know, Gail um, asked you earlier if, if caregiving is, has become a movement, and you said yes, it has. And can you, can you describe where, how, where the, how that movement is evolving where you see it, uh, what direction you see it going? I think the movement is evolving because of such major illnesses, such as Alzheimer's. Um, Just recently, I became certified with Alzheimer's to do a fundraiser on their website in memory and in honor of my mother, who passed in 1999. And they are widespread throughout our nation, Alzheimer's Association, because of the in-depth situations when you are caring for someone with Alzheimer's. Parkinson's is widespread. That's another reason for family caregiving. Cancer is widespread, another reason for family caregiving. So I believe that the movement has so much to do with the illnesses that your loved one can come down with. Yeah, yeah. So so tell us just a little bit more about your support groups. How does someone get to be in a support group if they're a family caregiver? They first of all have to decide that they are willing to give up their isolation and come and be with other family caregivers where what they can discuss is going to be the norm rather than talking to a friend who isn't a caregiver and them saying, oh my goodness, what's going on? So 
that's the big step to decide that you are willing to give up your isolation. And I have to say that many groups are not as large as what you would want them to be, but I've been told even with a small group, it makes a heck of a difference for the caregiver to come and to leave feeling uplifted. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, Catherine, do you have any more questions? Uh, I'm, I'm interested. I think that, that Julie has a creed. Is this? Yes. Yes, I do. For that. And just bringing up the support group then, this creed is what I read and we read in unison as a caregiver support group at the very end of my groups. So thank you for inviting me to read Caregiver's Comfort Creed. It starts with, grant me the insight today to transform chaos into comfort, apathy into attentiveness, resistance into resilience, emptiness into excitement, grieving into gratitude, inadequacy into independence, victimization into victory, exasperation into energy, rage into responsiveness, mm. sadness into sympathy, confusion into confidence, oppression into optimism, misery into majesty, fear into faith, Abstinence into openness, restlessness into rejuvenation, turmoil into truth. Grant me the ongoing strength and wisdom I need so that I may continue being the caregiver rather than the one requiring care. Yes. <laughs> and really did you write that? Is that your? Yes. Are you the author? 1,000 copyrighted. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I, thank you so much for being with us, Julie. This, this has been really eye-opening and interesting, and I know that our listeners will appreciate hearing what you have to say about caregivers and caregiving. So thank you very, very much. And I thank right back to the both of you for hosting the business that you host. Again, I am honored. Uh -huh.